Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, which means today's conversation is about the spend-up options on the upcoming Sunday Week 10 DFS main slate. Before we get to that, as we always do on the Tuesday pod, we will do a Week 9 recap, a Tuesday gambling lesson, look at the line movement and early trends in the gambling market for the week, and then we will use that information to fuel our discussion around spent-up options, again, on the Week 10 Sunday main DFS slate. Before we get started, make sure you are following me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I am really trying to up my written reviews. So if you are on Apple Podcasts and you are listening to the show, please give me a five-star and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. All right, let's recap week nine. Let's start this off with the futures discussion that Willie and I had on last Thursday's value options episode. We gave out a series of bets, and our look-ahead lines did so well. We were on the Titans 44-1 to to win the Super Bowl and to win their division. They lost, but they looked good against the Chiefs, so their line actually dropped to a 28-1 to to win the Super Bowl. We gave out Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. We gave out Dolphins to win the division, plus 950. That's down to a plus 550 now because the Dolphins won and the Bills lost. We gave out a combination play to play the 49ers in their division and the Seahawks. We were saying we were fading the Rams and fading the Cardinals. Well, Seahawks win. 49ers lose. Wait, 49ers run by. Seahawks win. Rams lose, Cardinals lose, 49ers again on by. So that was another great line movement in our direction. The futures discussion that me and Willie gave out last week proved to do so well. I know that there are still nine weeks left for those bets to cash, but we started out clearly on the right track. In the DFS space, we also did incredibly well. I won every single lineup that I entered. I went five for five. The summary of my lineup and the results is posted on my Twitter, so feel free to go check that out. In the gambling space, I lost two units, but of course, the DFS winnings and the future look-ahead movement made up for that. We are now up like 13 units on the season in weekly gambling lines. We were up $1,000 in DFS, and I would assume our futures bets are looking really, really good too. I wouldn't be surprised to add another 5 to 10 units of winnings based on my futures bets. Really good stuff here on the Advantage. Really, really, really good stuff. All right. Today's gambling lesson is going to be about line movement and anchoring. Specifically the term line anchoring. What the hell is this? When do you see this? How do you spot this? How do you play it when you see it happening? So a line will open generally like way ahead of time, like way before you think an NFL line will open, it will open. There were NFL lines for this upcoming um, Buccaneers versus Seahawks game in France this summer. We knew that there would be a week 10 line with Bucks versus Seahawks in July. And that line was Bucks minus seven and a half. Now the season has changed. 
A lot has changed. Seahawks are doing really well. Bucks sink on ice. Tom Brady's, you know, going through a turmoil. Geno's looking like an MVP candidate. A bunch of things we could not have expected from these two teams. And it probably means that the Seahawks should be the favorite in this game this weekend. However, because that line has been posted for so long, because it was slowly moving towards the Seahawks week after week, but it was still available in the look-ahead market, you've been able to get the Seahawks at major plus points, plus 7.5, plus 6.5, all the way down to where it is now at plus 2.5. The whole movement to 2.5 is anchored by the fact that this line opened at 7.5. And And because people got Seahawks plus 7.5, the books cannot move this too much because then they will be opening way too much exposure risk for themselves. And if you took Seahawks plus 7.5 and the line moves to Bucks minus 2.5, you then jump on the Bucks minus 2.5 and you can middle every single number between 2, 3, not two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Considering the hit rates of those games, considering the hit rate of those scores in NFL games, this is a huge risk for the sports books. So what the sports books are doing this weekend is saying, we can't open up too big of a middle spot. We are anchored too much to that seven and a half line that it originally opened at. And what we really need to do is try and back Tom Brady and put a position in the market ourselves. So you will see the books this week take a position on the Bucks. I don't know if I want to follow them into those waters. Generally, when the books make a position, I like to follow them into the water. But when you can see the whole market, you know, when you can step back and see everything at a distance and say, well, this is because this line opened at this, line, at this number, and it's because these teams for 10 weeks have underperformed, and it's because this game is on a neutral site field in France, in Germany, rather. All of those factors lead to the inability for the sportsbook to move the line to make the Seahawks a favorite. If the Seahawks were a favorite, now we're adding in way more than three, four, five, six, and 7 that you would middle, You're adding in the two, the one, the zero, and then the one, the two, the three on the other side if, say, the Seahawks were a minus three. Because then you're taking Bucks plus three and Seahawks plus seven and a half. You have ten and a half points of middle room if this line was to properly move as it should. So because it can't move, it is anchored to that two and a half right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see it become Bucks minus three at certain spots. If you want to play this game, if you want to play the Bucks, jump in now. If you want to play the Seahawks, wait. That is my advice. That is line anchoring. We are also seeing this happen. If that explanation and example didn't make too much sense, we are also seeing this in the Cowboys-Packers game this week. The look-ahead line for that was Cowboys minus 2.5 for the last few weeks. So now it really should be Cowboys minus seven, but it's sitting at Cowboys minus five because the books are too scared to open up a middle. So FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, points bets, MGM, all those guys are going to be rooting 
for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady this weekend. The books are going to have exposure on both of those sides because of line anchoring and the look-ahead market. That is why, such a big reason, I give out my bets on Sunday night like a week before. I try and get ahead of the market. I try and beat the line movement. I try and get plus CLV, closing line value, on my betting tickets, all for the reason of you want to get ahead of the market moving. You want to know where the market opened and where it is currently to help evaluate all of this stuff to know, is this line moving because of money? Is this line moving a certain amount because it's anchored to its original point? Was the first line that the book laid a really bad line and that's where they're screwed? Or is the book having a sharp line? It's not anchored to anything. And for that reason, you want to follow what the book is saying and take their position. Now, this could all sound really confusing. Mike, how do I know when to do all of that stuff? It takes practice. It takes time. It takes constantly evaluating the gambling market. It is hard for me in five to six minutes to give you a 100% explanation of how you find line anchoring versus line movement in the market. But stick with it. Pay attention. Do your due diligence to check every Sunday or every Saturday what the week ahead lines are and try and jump on a few of them. Say, I know where the sharps are for this week, and if that comes to fruition, how would that affect the lines that I already posted for next week? That is such a basic concept of what we do here on the DFS Today podcast and the advantage of how I handicap football is saying, where's the money? What are the gambling angles telling me? What are the market indicators showing me? And how can I wrap that all up into my head to know where the right bet is? I do not try and evaluate football with my own eyes. It is far too complicated of a sport. I find understanding the gambling market indicators to be more in line with the way my brain thinks. And that is how I proceed and approach gambling. All right. Let's use all of this to break down the week 10 lines give you guys the bets that I'm already on and tell you how the market is moving. Thursday night football, Falcons, Panthers. This line's at a minus three right now. It opened at a Falcons minus two and a half for this week. Um, I am on the Falcons. I jumped in on the minus two and a half and I jumped in on the money line a bit. I think this Panthers team uh, really got the gas taken out of them when they lost that DJ Moore taking off his helmet in the end zone and then the few missed kicks and they've traded away all their players. I think if they had won that game, they would have truly been invigorated and they would have been in first place in the division. Now they're tied for last with the Saints and have very little hope for the future. So fade Carolina pretty much for the rest of the season. At just a three-point spread, I really like taking the Falcons. I would take this now before it moves to three and a half and you lose the hook. Falcons minus three. Falcons minus two and a half. Falcons money line are my Thursday night bets. Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay. We just talked about this game. But, uh, Seahawks are plus two and a half. I think that's the right bet based on this game. Although I would say continue to wait because we know the market is moving towards Tampa because of the anchoring and the exposure risks. So I like the Seahawks. I think I will be on the Seahawks, but I'm going to wait for potentially a better line. 
Kansas City versus the Jaguars. We have seen no line movement in that game whatsoever. Nothing in the total. Nothing in the points. Nine and a half point spread. I have nothing. No leans. No feels. Same thing for Giants-Texans. No movement on the total or the number just yet. Chicago Bears versus the Lions. We have seen the Bears start at a minus two and a half. It's now Bears minus three. So we are getting some initial Bears money come in the market and definitely some over money. It's now at 48 and a half. We know that's crossing the key number of 48. There's some over money in the market and some Bears money in the market. We know correlated values of taking a favorite and taking an over. So that one makes sense. I personally have no bets on that game. Saints versus Steelers. I don't know why, but I'm looking at this right now and it's locked and the book has taken the line down. I am on the Saints minus two and a half. But I can't tell you where it is or where it's going, but Saints are a team that I've been backing for a few weeks and I'm going to continue to do it. I know they looked horrible against the Ravens on Monday Night Football, but I'm not going to overreact. This division is still in reach for them and they've made a lot of clear signals that they want to try and go get it. So they're going against the crappy Steelers this week. Minus 2.5 Saints, clear bet for me. The Dolphins versus Browns. So this line opened at a Dolphins minus four. It's now down to a Dolphins minus three and a half, which means there's some Browns money and Browns indicators coming in. The Browns are coming off a bye week, which means they have more preparation time and rest advantage. However, You guys know I love the Dolphins. I bet the Dolphins Super Bowl future. I bet the Dolphins division future last week. I've continued to back the Dolphins pretty much every week, and I will do so again this week. Because the line is moving from minus four to minus three and a half, I know I should continue to wait. My plan is to see how low this goes and then play the money line. I will tweet it out. Vikings versus Bills. We need to know if Josh Allen is okay. What's good with his elbow? The UCL injury. Is he playing? Is he good to go? Is he ready to rock? I got in on the Vikings plus eight and a half and the Vikings plus 330 on the money line. So crushing CLV here. However, you never trust the fraudulent Vikings and you're going against the Bills at home. So if Josh Allen is playing and he seems good to go, I am going to hedge off of this and take the Bills. So I do have a Vikings ticket in. I only knew did that because I knew this line was going to move with Josh Allen's injury stuff and limited practices all week. And for that reason, I'm going the other way once I hear the injury news. So I'm going to lock myself in guaranteed profit on that Vikings-Bills game because of beating CLV. Titans versus Broncos. We need to know if Tannehill is playing, but it seems like he is. This line opened at a Titans minus two. It is now a Titans minus three. So definitely some Titans money coming in on the market and massive under money. I think this line opened at 40 or 40 and a half. It's down to 38 and a half. We know 38 is a key number. So this is a really sharp line. It's really hard to know where to go with this. Um, I'm not going to touch the total and I haven't touched the game yet. But that's where the line movement is sharp towards the under and towards the Titans. Colts Raiders. This is another line that I'm waiting on. I simply want to know who the Colts announce as their starting quarterback. It is Raiders minus six and a half now. It opened at a six. We got the Frank Reich fired news. We got the Jeff Saturday was hired news. Um, Surprising. And the Raiders line moved to six and a half. So Raiders money came in the market because the Colts head coach is someone who's never been in the building and never coached football before on a college or professional level. He did coach high school. 
in Georgia. Anyways, um, my plan is to wait to see if Ellinger is announced as the starter. And if he is announced as a starter, that's when I'm going to jump in on the Raiders. Probably spread and money line. Probably split my bet and do half units on each. If Matt Ryan is named the starter and this, I'm going to wait for this line to move to like four or three and a half where it likely should be. And then I probably won't play it. We will see. I like the Raiders a lot if Ellinger is starting. Cardinals versus Rams. So McVay always has Cliff Kingsbury's number. They're like in this whole collective group of friends coaching circle with Shanahan and LaFleur and McVay and Cliff, all the young guns who do that new style offense. Um, McVay has always had Cliff Kingsbury's number, like I just said. However, the line moved from three and a half to three, showing that there is some initial Cardinals money coming in. Uh, FanDuel's reporting 50-50 for the money right now. Really hard to tell. I'm not going to have a bet on that game because those two teams are like any given Sunday. It could either look atrocious or like start to be pieced together. Cowboys minus five now in the market. I would still take this. Packers suck. I'm on Cowboys minus two and a half. I'm on the under 43. It's now at 42 and a half. I would take the Cowboys minus five or I would take the money line, whatever you want to do. Cowboys look amazing and Packers look atrocious. This line feels like it's anchored to the original two and a half and should be closer to a six and a half or seven. So for that reason, I'm still comfortable taking a five. I think this line moves to five and a half and eventually six before Sunday's kickoff. I think this is Cowboys minus six at 12.59 or rather 3.59 before kickoff. Chargers 49ers, another one where we can fade the Chargers because they suck. I got in on the 49ers minus 3.5 in a look-ahead line before week nine started. It is now uh, 49ers minus seven, so huge CLV win for me there. I plan to just let that ticket ride. Um, I would feel comfortable playing the 49ers money line. I would not really feel comfortable laying the spread. But we know that this 49ers team likes to run the ball, and the Chargers allow teams to run the ball. So I would be looking towards McCaffrey props, McCaffrey anytime touchdown, McCaffrey over yards, McCaffrey over carries, rush attempts. I would look towards a lot of rushing props for the 49ers this week. Commanders versus Eagles. I am on the Eagles money line at minus 490. I'm on the Eagles spread at minus 10.5 for half a unit each. It is still 10.5, but the line on the money line has moved to 5.10. So we are seeing some money come in on the Eagles, but not enough to move the lines yet. The highest totals on the board. Wow, a lot of low totals this week. Are coming from the Dolphins-Browns game, and we know that game is sharp towards the over. And the Detroit Lions-Chicago Bears games. So those are the games that we will try and target for um, DFS. Of course, Chiefs-Jacksonville, but those don't have the best DFS options unless you're going to go with Mahomes. So yeah, we are looking to play into Browns-Dolphins, Bears-Lions, and Chiefs-Jaguars in DFS because those games have the highest totals and seem to be sharped towards the over. All right, let's start the DFS conversation. 
quarterbacks. We're doing spend-ups, everyone over 7,000 or the first five names. So this will include Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Tua, and Dak Prescott. Uh, Josh Allen, we need to wait and see if he's practicing. We need to know all week. You guys know I make the Tuesday podcast because I say we know who we're spending up on. As long as they're healthy, we can play them. Josh Allen's a guy, as long as he's active, we can play him. So Josh Allen still might be core for me. He's at home in a good matchup this week. So I just want to wait on that news. I still really like Josh Allen if he's playing. Mahomes, I love Mahomes if he's playing this week. I really, really like Mahomes. I could see him being the optimizer quarterback because of the questions around Allen and because of the 50-point total in this game in Kansas City. So Patty is at home going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He looks more comfortable with his weapons. He looks like he's got his good thing going with Juju now. Kelsey, rock solid as always. McKinnon, who's the passing down back, has just taken complete control of that backfield. Chiefs barely even run the ball anymore. Really like Mahomes this week. Really, really like Mahomes. Kyler Murray, no, won't play a player on Cliff Kingsbury's team going against the vaulted Rams that they never do well against. Uh, Tua, definitely can consider Tua. Tua's like an every week guy that we have to consider now. He's still under $7,000. And in a game, Browns, Miami, sharp towards the over. Miami has so much speed on the field that they could really rack up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I like going to a Tyreek any single week. You guys know I play Tyreek a lot. Dak Prescott against Green Bay. I'm on the under for this game, so Dak won't be my quarterback. Uh, so for the first five quarterbacks, I really like Mahomes. I like Josh Allen as long as he's healthy. I have a strong lean towards Mahomes out of this group. And of course, when Willie joins us on Thursday... We will have to talk about Justin Fields and work our way down the list. You guys know, last Thursday on the show, I went through a few budget quarterbacks and Willie just goes, I think you're missing Justin Fields. And then he gave out his reasoning. He was like, that game is moving in total in the over. You know, Fields runs. It was a perfect explanation, which was capped off by a 45-point performance by Fields himself. So well done, Willie. Well done, Fields. We will save Fields and the rest of the quarterbacks for the Thursday discussion. Running back position. Saquon, 8,600, coming off a bye, playing at home, going against the Houston Texans, who ranked dead last against the run. We know Derrick Henry just gashed this team for like 200 yards and two touchdowns. You can definitely play Saquon. I think he might be in a lot of optimizers this week. I will check back in on that later this week. But huge price tag at 8,600. But no reason in hell for me to say anything bad about him. As long as you have the money, it might be worth it. Derrick Henry going against the Denver Broncos. Um, I still like it. I mean, he's going to get crazy volume. The guy is such a beast. Will he end up with 100 yards and a touchdown and 22 carries? Probably. Um, However, because Henry's not the biggest PPR guy and this game should be low scoring, I probably will avoid it. Nick Chubb, you guys know I always say I'm not a Chubb guy. I'm not a Chubb guy. He doesn't catch the ball. You're being touchdown dependent. He seems to always get the touchdowns, but it's still touchdown dependent nonetheless. This week against Miami, who sucks at stopping the run, see Justin Fields, what he did last week, and uh, this game being sharp towards the over, I think Chubb is definitely an option this week. Consider him 100 yards and a touchdown as well, like almost a lock. 
Dalvin Cook going against Buffalo in Buffalo. Don't love it. Um, Buffalo's defensive front line is just dangerous. They're just violently good. Uh, Josh Jacobs going against Indy. Indy has a good run D. If there's one redeeming quality of the Indianapolis Colts, it's their run defense. Jonathan Taylor on the other side of the ball, Indy versus Vegas. Um, No, because we don't know how injured Taylor is or what's the deal with his ankle, how much work are they going to give him. I do like Deion Jackson a lot if Taylor sits this week because Saturday's back in the building and he doesn't even know the play calls. I would expect a shitload of running out of the Colts. So I would like, and and Vegas defense sucks. So I would really like Deion Jackson if he's the starter. I'm going to assume that he is, and we will talk about him on Thursday. Alvin Kamara, um, coming into his own a bit, obviously didn't do great on on Monday night, um, but has clearly picked it up over the last five weeks. He is just one week under 15 points, 17.5, 18.4, 27.4, and the 42.8 explosion. So I like the Saints. I'm on the Saints. They're playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who kind of stink. Uh, I like Kamara. I think 7,400. I doubt I play him because it's kind of a middle to high price tag. Not the best matchup. Not a bad matchup, but it's not like a Saquon-type matchup. It's not like an ETN-type matchup right below him. So I probably don't go Kamara, but I do like Kamara. Aaron Jones, no. Can't play a uh, running back against Dallas with on Green Bay. Just no. Travis ETN. Yes, definitely the last person in this uh, in the 7,000 group that you could consider. Um, going against KC, getting the full complement of work for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The price definitely ticked up for ETN. I think he was 6,500 last week, and he was a clear play. No, he was 6,200, and we played him in core, and he did amazing. So it's been bumped up 900 bucks. He's now in the $7,000 range. A beautiful matchup, but it might be hard for me to play ETN at that price tag. If I play ETN, I will make him core. I will make my spend up running back core this week because it's kind of hard to know. We like Saquon. We like Chubb. We're okay with Kamara. And ETN finds himself in a really good spot, but with a higher than expected price tag. So I will come back on the Saturday show and let you know for sure which one of those guys I took. Wide receiver, Tyreek is now $9,000. Wow. Taking a second to process this. I mean, it's for a good reason. He's such a freak. He's going in a game that should be sharp towards the over, 48 to 48 and a half. 48 is a key number. We like Tua. Tua is only 6,700. So if you went with Tua, did you save up enough to spend up for Tyreek? That is a crazy high price tag. This week, it just seems like a lot of these guys are higher than I expected. Um, Cooper Cup, $9,000. You can always go with Cooper Cup. End of story. I don't care how much I hate the Rams. I don't care how much I hate the game. Cardinals, Rams. You can literally always play Cooper Cup. Justin Jefferson. 8,800. If Josh Allen is okay, and we expect a lot of points to be scored in this game, then for that reason, I think you can go with Justin Jefferson. But I'd, I'd still prefer Diggs myself. If I'm going for a spend-up wide receiver in this game, I'd rather have Diggs, assuming Allen's playing. 
Devontae Adam going against the Colts. Um, love Devontae, but not a spot that I'm going to play into. The Colts-Raiders game shouldn't be that high scoring. Um, Devontae's a freak, but Colts have a good defense. Again, one redeeming quality for that team is their defense. They rank uh, second best in allowing the least amount of points to wide receivers. So Devontae finds himself in a particularly bad matchup this week. DeAndre Hopkins, no. He's going to be shadowed by Ramsey, and we don't like Kyler this week. I know we could always trust Hopkins, Hopkins but not this week. Um, Jalen Waddell, too expensive for me, given the price tag. CeeDee Lamb, probably too expensive, given the price tag and the matchup. And that is everyone, 7000 or above for receiver. I like Tyreek. I like Cup. I like Diggs. All right, let's move on to tight end. We could talk about tight end this week, and we could just have a one-name discussion with Travis Kelsey, $7,800. I think you could play Kelsey. Uh, Jaguars are not the best matchup against tight ends. However, if you want to stack him with Mahomes and we want to remember that this is the highest point total on the board, then I absolutely love Kelsey. There's no reason not to love Kelsey. It just, like every other player that I've mentioned this week, comes with a... High price tag. 7800 is a bit above Kelsey's normal range. And then for the defenses, I really like the Giants as a spend up. I really like the Raiders if Ellinger is playing as a spend up. Um, yeah, I would be I would be targeting the, the Giants going against these Houston Texans. Let's see here. Any good ones? We'll talk about some value defenses. For defenses, there's one name that's really popping out to me. It is the Giants going against the Houston Texans, coming off the bye, playing at home. Team that needs a win to make the play to continue their playoff push versus the Texans, which are seemingly the worst team in the NFL. Really like the Giants, three thousand nine hundred. I also think you can consider the Raiders if Ellinger is playing. So those are the two spend up defenses that I would look towards. And that concludes our Tuesday show. I will be back on Thursday with Willie to discuss the spend-up options for this slate. And we will do a few other gambling and fun topics as we always do. Take care. Check my Twitter for the active bets that I have. I mentioned a bunch of them as I went through the lines. And as always, peace out.